he is one of the really a suffering prophet. He was going to be ministering to a people who would not respond. Um, we talk about Jeremiah having the weeping prophet's ministry, and uh, he's the most obvious one, but Hosea is definitely a weeping prophet. He is called to come uh, to Israel, the northern tribe. He is called to tell them, call them to repentance, but they will not. And he is asked of God uh, to marry Gomer. And in the marrying of Gomer, God gives some foresight as to what will take place that she will be unfaithful to him and that he is to endure that and then he is to reach back and offer to restore her and in reaching back and offering to restore her there are conditions for that restoration so we made it up through that analogy and now uh, last week we looked at Israel stumbling block relationship uh, to Judah and the example of which they were, and then the accountability of the leadership and the failure of the leadership, and the tragedy of a carnal heart is what we are looking at. And now, in the end, I want us to look at the tragedy continued, but I want us to look at the end as it relates to. Israel, God's nature, God's love for Israel, his gentleness, kindness, long-suffering. So as we look at this and try to wrap up the last, I want us to look at um, God's uh, word to the nation of Israel. Chapter 8, verse 7, 8, 13, 14. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stock. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yieldeth, the strangers shall swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel where is no pleasure. 13.14 They sacrifice flesh for the sacrifices of mine offerings, and eat it. But the Lord accepteth them not. Now will he remember their iniquity and visit their sins. They shall return to Egypt. For Israel hath forgotten his maker and buildeth temples. And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities. But I will send a fire upon his cities. And it shall devour the palaces thereof. Chapter 10, verse 2. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. In other words, judgment day has come upon the nation of Israel. Verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Where it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So the invitation, the the judgment 
of God is now upon Israel, and yet even in the judgment of God, he has given Hosea the words to ask Israel to repent. Ask Israel to come back. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So the one lesson we get, even under the, the, <clears throat> the wrath of God, the judgment of God, the just judgment of God, he is willing to remove that judgment at the moment of repentance. So in our personal walks with, the, with our Savior, and we get in times where we're bitter, times where we're giving up and, and say, no, I'm just going to do it my way. And then we begin to reap the consequences and say, well, God's wrath is upon me. I deserve everything I'm getting. There's no use. I might as well give up. That is never the character of God. God is leaning towards forgiveness. God is leaning towards restoration, but it requires repentance. So the pictures I have up here are on purpose to show the historical narrative here of Israel. So Israel, because they will not repent, he sends initially skirmishes of local uh, reigning it's hard to call them kings, but they were kings of smaller domains. And here we have Damascus coming down and they are waging campaigns and taking over Israel. And they occupy Israel for a season and for a time. And God allows them to occupy Israel for a season and a time. But this isn't the great judgment. This is the little judgment. This is like the warning call. This is to encourage them to repent. Do they repent? No. They find other kings to league up with to drive Damascus back out. They don't deal with their sin. And they they link themselves up with um, heathen nations. And in doing this linking up with the heathen, heathen nations, they refuse to see that they need to repent. So, turn over to 14. Here's the invitation to repent again. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, take away all the iniquity and receive unto us graciously, so will we render the cows of our lips. Again, but again, they refuse. And here is the most no, the, the most uh, known of the campaigns is the Assyrian campaign. And in the Assyrian campaign, this is the big guy, and he is going to come in and he takes over the whole area. And when he the wage battles that are on record of the Assyrians, they they were merciless. They would come in and they would uh, totally destroy uh, cities and, and, and flatten them down. They would take people captive. They would kill people, slaughter. Uh, and they would, they would do what Hamas would do. What our modern day Hamas, they would do without shame. And then you say, well, why does God allow such horrific things to take place in Israel even today? 
because Israel continues to harden their heart. God's heart towards Israel is repent. God's heart towards the nation is, I will make a great nation of you. But they continue in their ways. So he says here, uh, in verse following three, uh, actually, let's jump down to verse four. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from them. What's the condition? Repentance. Did they repent? We see the 400 years of silence after the prophets. They did not repent. They went into captivity. And then you have the reestablishing of some sort of under-kingdom where they're given the right to exercise as a nation which ushers in the opportunity for the Messiah to be born. So all of this has taken place because Israel refuses to repent. Now I want you to, from that, and you look at the, when is it that Israel will repent? The, the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant. There's a big debate over who does the new covenant? Are there two covenants? Is there Abrahamic covenant? Is there two new covenants? Uh, let me just say this. The Abrahamic covenant is to Israel and they, those promises are that they'll have an eternal earthly kingdom. That is not to the church. And in that, we have to turn our Bibles to, turn over to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. Then we have the great battle of Armageddon. And let's, uh, for context, let's begin... And verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the unholy trinity. That's my words. For they are the spirit of the devil, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle at the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into the place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. That is the place where God will pour out his wrath and he will destroy all nations and he will usher in the great, um, the millennial reign. And as, as that takes place, turn your Bibles then over to Revelation 20. The repentance of Israel comes through the great tribulation. The final repentance, the backslidden state of Hosea, we find that the offer, please repent, I will restore you, you backslidden nation, is now here in Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit 
and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and the Satan, and bound them up for what? A thousand years. We know this is the millennial kingdom. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set the seal upon them. And he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given upon them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark on their forehead and on their heads. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed is the holy, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ shall reign with him a thousand years. So here we have that millennial kingdom which is Israel coming back. Now, this is not the permanent kingdom. Often we think that this is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. It is not the complete fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. It is the introduction to it. The complete fulfillment will be in the eternal state because it's eternal. There's only one eternal state, the new heaven and the new earth. But it is the preparation, and in the preparation, what happens? And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of the prison. And again, to our amazement, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them to battle. Again. Does history repeat itself? Yes. Do we learn? No, we're stupid, dumb-headed people. We need to keep ourselves surrendered to the Lord and not be backslidden. Why? Because we'll be like Israel. We'll forget our God. How do we not forget our God? By daily repenting. By daily coming back to the word. By daily bringing ourselves to him. To gather them together to battle, the number of who is as the sand of the sea. How is that possible? Well, you take all the people that enter the millennial kingdom. Let's say it's a billion people. Okay? How many billion are on the earth right now? I don't know. Anybody got that off the top of their head? Seven or eight? Okay. So let's say half a billion enter in the millennial kingdom. All of a sudden, all the women have a healthy womb. No pain in childbearing. They're going to start. They're start. They're, they're going to start producing, and sin is held back almost to the endemic state. Um, the average, if you die at a hundred years old in the millennial kingdom, you're dying as a child. That's an early birth. That's an early death. That's a premature death. So the health is extended. That many people having healthy children. They're going to populate the earth in a hundred years. Okay? So they populate the earth. And then for a thousand years, this, this, this goes on. Yeah, you can see now that, oh yeah, as a, a countless number of people are going to rebel. Even though Jesus Christ is on the earth, 
They can go and interview him. They are fearful of him. They will not rebel while he's on the throne until Satan is released. They are compliant and obedient on the outside, but they are rebellious on the inside. Another warning to us, right? Okay. So in the end of the thousand years, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. I just love how that is just written. It's like, they came. They were ready. They had their battle ready. They were going to win. They were confident they were going to destroy the king. And fire came down from heaven and it was done. It's like, yeah, not a shot was fired. Okay, so now we know the difference between the power of God and the power of Satan. And the devil that deceiveth them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. It's done. Now we have the eternal state of hell. Okay? Then he moves to the eternal state of heaven. 21. This is the covenant fulfillment that God wanted to do with Israel. God wanted to do it when Jesus Christ was born. He sent the Messiah. If they would have received their Messiah, the King of Kings, he could have established this. But because of the hardness of their heart, they put this off where another, well, we know, 2,000 years at least. And, and now they're fighting their enemies still. In their land still. And it will continue until when? Until the battle of Gog and Magog. Not the battle of Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon sets up the millennial reign. Now, Gog and Magog, and then God settles it. And he puts us into the eternal state. Verse 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. How do we know that the, how, what, how does the first earth pass away? Peter tells us, the fervent heat, it melts away. He burns it up. There's a big debate of new heaven, new earth. Is it new, new? Or is it the old earth renewed after it's purified? And um, you know what? God will do what's right. How do I know which one it is? I don't. I do know that it has to be purified. It has to be brought back to a sinless state. Right? Because sin impacted creation itself. The rocks, the, the all of creation groaneth. We know that from Romans also, right? So he is going to destroy, but does destroy mean annihilate or does it mean purify? That's fun for the theologians to play around with. The truth is we'll know when we get there. Amen? But the victory is this. The eternal state. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard the great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So where will heaven be? Where will the eternal state be? On this earth. So you're already in heaven. Heaven is a temporary state for us for the ultimate preparation. 
And why is it heaven needs to be on earth? Because the Abrahamic covenant was an eternal covenant that they would what? Own a land and have a king for how long? Forever. Forever. So when we get there, will Israel be an, a distinct Israel forever? Yes. Will the church be a distinct church forever? Yes. Will they work together somehow? Yes. We will be the ministers, kings, and priests. We'll be the spiritual um, representatives for Israel is what it really comes out to play out because that's how it played out in the millennial kingdom. We will be the, the priesthood in a sense. The church will be representative. And uh, that'll be the functioning order of authority and structure. Will there be authority and structure in the eternal state? Yes. What will it be based on? Our faithfulness. Each individual will be rewarded certain responsibilities in heaven on the basis of our faithfulness to him on this earth. And where will we get to practice that administrative order on this earth? How? Because it's new and perfect, but the order and structure of God doesn't change. That's eternal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The apostles will have their and they're told they'll have their positions of authority. So the authority structure still functions. So who will be at the bottom? Those who were saved so as by fire. And there'll be no ounce of jealousy there. They'll be saying, God is amazing. I don't deserve to be in heaven. I don't deserve to be here. But I am here because of the resurrection of the cross. Everything will point back to the glory of God. No jealousy. But there will be an eternal, earthly state of Israel with Jesus Christ on the throne, on the earth. Some people say, well, heaven comes down and it suspends, or the New Jerusalem will suspend between the heaven and the earth. There's no reason to, I don't know, understand why they say that. When it says Jesus will be on the earth and it's an eternal kingdom. So this is all to say what? Israel could have had this back in the book of Matthew. What kept them from it? Their backslidden carnal state. As a nation. They will repent as a nation and God will restore them. What's the picture for you and I? No matter where you're at, God doesn't give up on you. Even though you have given up on Him at times in your life. I hope those moments have been very short. I know they have in my life. I've given up on God. I've got angry at God. I said, forget you and I can't go very long in that state, but I've been there. I've had that attitude. Israel went for years and years and years. Are there people in our fellowship that we know that may be in that state right now? People who got saved at this church have never darkened the door of this church again and may be in what we call a backslidden state like Israel. Absolutely. Let God figure that out. What's the answer for them? Repent. How can you help them? Tell them to repent. Come back, confess or stand, repent, and surrender back to Christ. It's the only answer. That's where God can restore and bless again. So what's the answer for us individually? Repent. What's the answer for those, uh, for a church that doesn't no longer has the blessing of God? Repent. What's the answer for the ones we love in our church, uh, in our biological families who have not, uh, obviously are not living for the Lord? Repent. 
That's the message we need to live and that's the message we need to submit to. Why? Because God wants to restore and bless. What does he do for Israel? He restores and blesses with a new Jerusalem kingdom on earth, fulfilling his promises. So that was the macro of the micro of Hosea. I hope that's a good reminder and encouragement to you. Lord, thank you for this time. As we look at the great wars that are going on even now, and there will be more great wars, as um, the nations have a set bias against Israel, and it is part of their judgment. You are using those nations to chasten them for their rejection of you. And God, I pray that many within Israel individuals will come to a saving knowledge of you. We know Israel as a nation will not repent until the Antichrist is on this earth. And so, Lord, with in our understanding that we will be in heaven with you, I pray you'd help us to learn from this. That in a backslidden state, it's not hopeless if we will repent. Help us to be quick to confess our sin. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.